0: is the Lord our God. He's not just God. He's my God. He's your God. He's our He's our God. The Lord our God. 1918. 1918. I don't think we have anybody 99 years old. Anybody in here alive in 1918? Matthew Thompson? Was that a joke? No? Uh-oh. 1918. Four years, World War I had been raging, uh, at least four years. And uh, the German army, 1918, the German army and the British and French had been battling there on French soil. And uh, the the German army and the, the French and British had gotten bogged down. And for the first several years of that war, the Germans had to fight the British and French on one side. And they had to fight the Russians on the other. And so they were trying to fight a two-front war. And then something happened in 1917-1918 that would change the course of the war. Uh, The Bolsheviks, the communists under Lenin, took over Russia. Russia went from a monarchy uh, to, to socialism, communism, in the middle of a war. And so you can imagine that was pretty traumatic for that country when that occurred. And the Bolsheviks... Uh, Lenin and his crew, they made a deal with the Germans 1918. They made a deal with them to call a truce uh, to their fighting. And when that happened in 1918, that meant that the Germans didn't have to fight a two-front war anymore, and they were able to move their forces that had been uh, there with Russia, they, had been, they were able to move them over to the Western Front. And so the German high command, 1918, had a fresh supply of troops that were able to move in to France uh, to fight there. And the German high command knew that their supplies were slowly starting to run out and their economy was starting to bog down. And they knew that they only really had a limited amount of time to finish the war. Uh, They also knew something else. The Americans had shown up by 1918. And uh, the American army, of course, had not been bogged down in this war for three or four years. It was a fresh army, uh, fresh from our soil, and, and got sent over. And the Germans knew that if they didn't hit quick that the Americans would quickly acclimate themselves and they'd get adjusted and it would be a lot harder to finish the war off. And so the German high command in 1918 made a decision. They were able to move these troops from Russia over into France and they made a decision that they were going to hit and hit hard and try to take Paris. They thought if we could take Paris, uh, maybe we can use it as a bargaining chip and end the war and get what we want. And they knew we better do it fast. For the American troops uh really get ready to fight back, and so in nineteen eighteen a major offensive happened called the Second Battle of the Marne, the Second Battle of the Marne, and the uh, german army uh, and they'd been you know for years just kind of trading a little bit of ground, a little bit of ground, this really vicious trench warfare nineteen eighteen the Germans launched this big attack. And actually, uh, really pushed and really moved, really, really moved the forces back. And they actually got pretty close to Paris, got close to their objective. Uh, but the American forces were ready. And in fact, Brother Rick was telling me, uh, Third Division, uh, Third Division, is that what it is? Third Division in the U.S. Army. It's called the Rock, and uh, the Rock of the Marne. And, and they're called that because in that battle, uh, that division, the Germans were not able to push them off and push them into the ocean. They they fought back, and, and the American forces really made the difference because they were fresh troops, and there were a lot of them, and uh, they were more prepared than the Germans thought they might be, and so the British and French, along with the new American troops, were able to stop this major offensive. In fact, by the time it was over, the Germans gained a lot of ground, but they came up against those British and French and those new American troops, and by the time it was over, the Germans had actually been pushed back farther And when they started, and uh, when the Germans launched that offensive, they they thought, we're going to try to end the war. And they were right. It did end the war. It began the ending of the war, but not with them as the victors, but with them as the losers. The Second Battle of Marne, when they launched it, they didn't know. But when they launched that offensive, that was the beginning of the end for Imperial Germany in World War I. The beginning of the end. We're looking at the book of Acts. We saw last week uh, the Holy Spirit fall upon the people of God, upon these disciples. Uh, These disciples that uh, some of them had seen Jesus ascend into heaven. He told them to go back to Jerusalem and get prayed up and to get in the word and get ready for the Holy Spirit that was going to come. And Jesus told them when that Holy Spirit comes, you're going to go and spread the word. You're going to spread the kingdom of God. Uh, in Judea and Samaria and all around the globe. And he said, I'm going to empower you to do it because I'm going to send my spirit to you. And boy, we saw last week, and what a great service we had last week. We saw last week how the Holy Spirit fell upon that little group. And uh, when it fell, it was as if a rushing wind and fire and people could hear the word of God in their own language. People could hear it clearly. And it was the Lord God showing this little group, hey, I'm going to be with you. And you're going to be able to go and do what I've called you to do. Today we're going to see the apostle Peter, the preacher Peter, the disciple Peter is going to get up. and We're going to look at the first part of a message he gave right after the Holy Spirit fell. And we're going to see how Peter begins to explain to us that with the coming of the Holy Spirit, it is the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end as history as it's been known. In fact, in some ways, when the Holy Spirit fell, it was the beginning of the end times. Now, we always focus a lot of times on Revelation, and we really look at the end of the end times. But the fact of the matter is, you're going to see from this text, when the Holy Spirit came, the whole world changed. And really, when the Holy Spirit came, that was the beginning of the end. The Lord Jesus had defeated sin, He'd overcome the enemy, and it was the beginning of the end, because the Lord God was now going to have a church, it was going to be an outpost, a sign, that there's another kingdom coming, and it is on its way. And you better decide, are you going to be with the kingdom of God that has arrived, or are you going to stay under the fallen power of the kingdoms of this world? Well, if you want to be with the kingdom of God, say amen. I mean, we see from our country and really all around the world, just don't you see what a mess things are. In the midst of that, the Lord God says to us, there's another kingdom. There's another kingdom. There's my kingdom. There's my kingdom, and I want you to be ready for it. And so we're going to look today at this message that the Apostle Peter gave under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is really important. I really want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit has just fallen, and this is really the first message given in this new age. Uh, this new dispensation, if you, uh, if you want to phrase it, this is the, the beginning of something different. And here with this, this is the first message that is given since the Lord told them, this is what you're going to do so this is the beginning of the end. Listen to what Peter said. Go to Acts chapter two and go to verse 14. All right, Acts chapter two, verse 14. The Holy Spirit has fallen. Uh, people are hearing things about Jesus in their own language. there's this whole group there. Remember this is happening at a festival, the festival of Pentecost where there're Jews from all around the empire there they're all there. and Peter stands up. look at verse 14, chapter two. Peter stood up with the eleven. So he gets up with the other disciples and he lifted up his voice and he said unto them, you men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you. Something I want you to know, you need to hearken to my words. You need to know and you need to listen and obey these words. Verse 15, these are not drunk as you suppose. Now when this Holy Spirit fell and people realized that the Spirit of God were upon them, and as the Spirit was moving them, and they're realizing, we're going we're to go out and spread this word. And as they begin to do it, and people begin to hear the word of God in their own language, and everybody's hearing this, there's some people going, whoa, this is, this is early in the morning. There's a ruckus going on. And some people said, they're drunk. They're drunk. And Peter kind of takes a shot at them. He takes a shot at this sermon uh, right off the bat. Look what Peter says to those who said they were drunk. These are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Peter says, they're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's the third hour of the day, the way the Jews looked at it. It's the third hour. They're not drunk. That's way too early. I mean, if you're going to get drunk, it's going to be later in the day. Nobody's going to be drunk at 9 o'clock. And he says, they're not drunk. In fact, in the festival time, that would have been a huge no-no. They would not. uh, They did drink. I mean, that's obvious. And if you know anything about the festivals, they had alcohol and some of those things. But they festivals, especially when you study that and look at it, none of that would have started occurring until later in the day because this time in the morning really is given to God in a way that that would not have happened. So you got a festival going on that they would not have been doing that that early in the morning. Plus, it's nine o'clock anyway. And so he says they're not drunk. It's the third hour of the day, uh, but they are filled with something. They're not filled with alcohol. But they're filled with something else. If you're glad today there's something greater than alcohol that can fill you, say amen. There is, right? What is it? What is it? Well, look what he says, verse 16. He says, they're not drunk, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he's going to quote five verses of Joel. He says, it shall come to pass. Brother Joel said back in the Old Testament, prophet said, it shall come to pass in the last days. When it all starts to change, the prophet Joel said, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. My Holy Spirit is going to be available to every person, to all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams on all flesh flesh. Men and women, if you're glad the Holy Spirit is for everybody, say amen. Everybody. Because hey, when that spirit falls, both men and women, everybody are going to have a word to say. Everybody's going to want to get in and give a, a testimony and testify to what Jesus has done. They're not drunk. He did say those last days. He'd pour out his spirit. Verse 18, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days my spirit. And they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. there will be blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Everything's going to get turned upside down when this spirit falls. Before that great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass. What's the greatest thing about that day when the spirit falls? What? What's the greatest thing after the Spirit comes? What's the the greatest thing that's going to occur? It shall come to pass in those days, in those last days when the Spirit comes, it'll come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you are glad that the Spirit shows us that we can be saved in Jesus, say amen. He says in these last days, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord, not might be, not could be, not there's a 50 50 chance. He says, if they call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Now, the crowd was wrong about Peter and the disciples that day being filled with wine, but they were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And Peter points the crowd in verses 17 through 21 to the Old Testament prophecy of Joel that we read. To explain what is going on. So Peter looks back to the Old Testament and draws from it to let these folks know what is now occurring. Now what you need to know about Joel is Joel prophesied some 400 to 500 years before Jesus came on the scene. And during the time of the prophet Joel, uh, the land was overrun with an infestation of locusts. There were locusts everywhere. The locusts took over the land of Israel. And the locusts destroyed and they devastated everything that they came into contact with. I think we got a little, yeah, look at that, look. Uh, Now that, now imagine that. Imagine that coming in and taking over a whole country, just locusts everywhere. Now Joel saw this locust, he saw them, the Lord gave him a prophetic word. And the Lord moved on Joel and Joel declared that these locusts were a sign of God's wrath upon Israel for its sin. And Joel warned the people. He warns the people there in the book of Joel. He warns them that the day of the Lord is near. The day of Yahweh is near. And he tells them that the locusts are just a sign to remind them that the day of the Lord is coming. And he wants them to know that as horrifying as the locusts are, if you're not ready for the day of the Lord, when he returns, if you're not ready, it's going to be worse for you than these locusts that have taken over the land. Now, there was only one hope, only one hope that Joel gave in the midst of this warning of God's wrath. He gave a word of hope. He said, there is hope, though, that if people will turn to the Lord, if they'll get right with the Lord, if they will confess their sin, and they will turn to the Lord, Joel said, before the day of the Lord's coming, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Joel said that if people will turn to the Lord, that in the midst of all this calamity, he will send His spirit. So Joel said there's only one hope, only one hope for us, and that is that as the day of the Lord draws near, that God will going to send his holy Spirit to everyone and anyone that will cry out and turn to Him. So God's going to offer His spirit to folks as the day of the Lord is approaching. And those with the spirit, Joel said, these faithful and righteous folks. They're faithful and righteous because they've got God's Spirit. It's made them faithful and righteous. Those who have it, Joel said, would escape God's wrath when the day of the Lord occurred. In fact, Joel says that God would not only spare them, but God would restore the land if they would turn to God, that he would restore the land and he would make things right again. In fact, look at this verse, in Joel 2.25, kind of a paraphrase here. I will restore or replace for you the years that the locusts have eaten. Now, Joel's doing two things. Joel's both speaking into the moment that's going on right then in Israel. Remember with prophecy, it's always, you're on a hill. I always talk about prophecies like a hill. And when Joel's prophesying, he's both looking ahead, off into the distance, but he's also looking right down into the moment. And so Joel is telling them to Israel in that moment, if you get right with God, he'll restore your land. He'll make things right. But he's also looking off into the distance, and he's telling them, "As the day of the Lord is approaching, God will give that Holy Spirit, and He will restore and He will make right everything." When you read the Book of Revelation, how does it end? It it ends with everything being restored, with a new heaven and a new earth. If you are glad that the Lord is in the restoration business, say Amen. Now, listen. We go to the. We go sometimes. Uh, we'll go to Nashville, and sometimes we'll go to that mall where I can't afford to buy anything also known as Green Hills Mall. Y'all know that mall? And uh, sometimes we go there, and they have a store there called Restoration Hardware. Who knows about Restoration Hardware? Anybody know about this? Oh, man. They've got the nicest stuff in the world, and they've got, you know, they've got furniture, and they've got all this stuff, and, and you're supposed to be able to buy things to, to make your house look good, kind of restore it, make it look good, and I like to go in there and uh, look at those couches that I'll never be able to afford, and look at that stuff, and but I tell you what, those folks at Green Hills, they can just smell me out. They never come over and ask me if I want anything. They can just tell when I walk in. Restoration hardware, beautiful store, supposed to help you to restore your home. But the fact of the matter is I can't, I can't, afford, I can't afford very much in restoration hardware. But you know the great news that Joel gives is this spirit of God that will restore the land and restore you and restore me. It's free. It's free. It only costs you one thing. The only thing Joel says it'll cost you in those last days to get this Spirit of God, Joel says the only thing it'll cost you is for you to turn from your sin that is destroying you. So the only thing it'll cost you is what's already destroying your life. The only thing it costs you is to turn from that and turn to God. So, So Peter looks back and he says, Hey, these folks aren't drunk. Don't you remember what Joel said? Joel said at the end of time, at the end of the age, when everything gets flipped and the story gets reversed, don't you remember that Joel said that the Spirit of God would fall upon folks? And now the Spirit has fallen, and they are experiencing it. So surely, Peter says, surely the day of the Lord is getting near because the end of time has started, that age has ended, a new age has begun, the age of the Spirit of God within His people that turned to Him. And this is exciting. And we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, this sermon that Peter preaches. And it is pure adrenaline, pure excitement, pure proclamation, as you can, you can see from the sermon, that Peter recognizes we have entered into something new. But Peter also knows something else the Christian community as it's going to become if the disciples of Jesus have now entered into the greatest age there is and an age in which for for them the greatest thing they'd ever known an age where the Spirit of God is with every man and every woman that calls upon Jesus if they have entered into this great age Peter also knows something else he also knows a new burden He also knows a new heaviness at his heart. The very moment that Peter, you're going to see this, as he gets elated over what the Lord Jesus is doing within Jesus' disciples, the same moment that Peter reaches the highest of heights, he's also going to reach a new level of concern because Peter knows that if the Spirit has fallen, this means that the day of the Lord, the day of, of accounting, the day of wrath for folks is also on the way. And Peter knows there's only one way to escape the calamity that's about to fall on folks. There's only one way for families to survive. There's only one way for marriages to make it. There's only one way for men and women to, to, to live uh, the life of purity that God has called them to. There's only one way for folks to be truthful in, in this increasing dishonesty. There's only one way, only one way. And Peter knows that that only way is by looking to the Lord. And if folks don't, Peter knows that the world... It's about to come undone. Look at verses 19 through 21 again. Look at what they say. Peter quotes from Joel. and says, I will show wonders in heaven above. and Signs in the earth beneath. There will be blood and fire. There will be the vapor of smoke everywhere. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Everything's going to come unhinged before that great and notable day of the Lord. It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those who receive the Spirit and those who will be saved are those who simply recognize that they have no strength, they have no ability, they have nothing they can do in the face of all this stuff coming undone, The ones that will be saved are those who recognize they have nothing to do with their own salvation, but they recognize they need God to save them. In these last days, it's going to be the church's mission, and it will be the church, Jesus' disciples, who will carry on what Jesus had began. What did Jesus tell people when he was going around ministering uh, during his three-and-a-half-year ministry? What did he tell those wrecked by sin? What would Jesus say to you? What did he say to those in his day if he was here and he knew the struggle in your life and the problems in your life and the issues of life, what would Jesus say to you? Well, this is what he said. Jesus said things to people like, sins totally defeated you. You made a complete wreck out of your life. Jesus said things like, come to me and follow me and believe in me and drink of the living water that I have to give to you. Jesus, what he did in his life is he called sinners to repentance and to faith. And now as the disciples await the great and notable day of the Lord that is coming, they are the people that are continuing Jesus' ministry by calling folks to Jesus. So Jesus said to folks, you you know, no hope for you, come to me. No hope for you, follow me. Your sin has totally defeated you, walk with me and I'll I'll give you the the waters of living life. That's what Jesus Jesus said, come follow me, come follow me. And Peter now is going to show us, And what the church's job is to continue what Jesus was doing. But we don't say, come follow me. Only Jesus says that. We don't tell folks come follow us. But what we do do is we look to folks that are hurting and folks that are dying and folks that that are just undone by sin. And we look at them and we say, come, come and follow Jesus. And look to Jesus and escape the punishment for your sin by going with Jesus, because Jesus will give you this gift of eternal life. So Peter is showing that now that the Holy Spirit has fallen, what is it, practically speaking, that the Holy Spirit of God is doing? It is enabling these folks to continue in Jesus' mission by telling people, it's the great and notable day the Lord is coming, by telling folks, hey, you better get ready, and there's only one way to be ready, and that's by trusting in Jesus. If you're glad, Jesus has got you and sealed you and has you safe for the day of wrath that is coming. Say amen. So here you and I are today. And like Joel's day, the land around us is troubled. Now, we're not Israel, but we can relate to some of this. Storms, fires, shootings, protest, wars, political corruption, both parties, all parties, every side. All of this reminds us that the day of the Lord is approaching. So what about you today? It's one thing to say the world is troubled and keep it kind of generic because we can kind of keep a distance from that. Oh, yeah, man, the world's troubled. The world's got problems, and that is true. The thing about Jesus is he always had a way of not just letting it be generic or abstract. Jesus brought it down. So let me ask you today, each and every person in this room, what about you? What area of your life is troubled? What part of your life is there trouble in your existence? Do you feel like your spirit has been swamped by troubles? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are things in your life that are not right? Then there's only one way to live. There's only one way to live in the midst of your troubles. And that is by depending upon Jesus for your salvation. Over 400 years ago, Joel's prophecy started a work, started a work of of, of looking forward. Over 400 years before, Joel had said that the spirit would fall. And indeed, 400 to 500 years later, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is falling, and we're going to see that it's going to fall upon men and women. It's going to call upon every boy and girl, man and woman, that will call to Jesus for salvation. So 400, 500 years ago, Joel makes a prophecy. That prophecy begins to come into completion, Peter says, at this very moment at Pentecost, and a work was started 2,000 years ago on that day that has not stopped. Billions. Billions of people have lived and died over the past 2,000 years since Jesus ascended back to heaven. Many, many people, unfortunately, out of those billions and billions, have lived their entire lives in slavery to sin. Some people were hurt as a child, had emotional damage or physical damage done to them as a child, and they lived their whole life and they never know any freedom or any escape from what their parents or a teacher or an authority figure did to them in their life. So billions of people lived their entire lives bound by what somebody else did to them as a child. Billions of people have been born that had good homes and had good parents, and people did them right. But when they became a man or became a woman, they ate from the fruit of sin. And they found that it tasted pleasurable at first, but it's that fruit of sin that they ate from got deeper and deeper within them, they found that as it went down, that that sin took a grip over every aspect of their body. And there have been billions and billions of people that started out really good, but because of sin had become gripped by it, and they have lived and died a slave to sin. There have been many people, billions of people probably, that lived a lot of their life trying to do the right thing, trying to make the right decisions, trying to do what they knew was good and the best that their lights could show them. There have been, this is sad, but this is a fact. There have been many billions of people that have lived overall what we would call good lives, good men and women. Well, in their lives, there's something that they did, some act that they participated in, something that they allowed themselves to get caught up with. And although we would look at them and say they lived a good life, The fact of the matter is, there's something in their life that is a big, dark hole that maybe they've kept secret from everybody else, but they know in their heart, I wish I'd never done that. I wish I'd never done a part of that. And there are billions and billions of people that that one thing that they did grips them and holds them. And they live and they die, and when they die, there's a sadness upon them because they know there's something not right. Billions of people have lived and died since this event of the Spirit's falling 2,000 years ago. Many people live their entire lives slave to sin, slave to fear. you afraid, afraid today? Fear is not God's gift. The Bible tells us He's not given us a spirit of fear. It's not what the Lord has for us, but many people are gripped by fear. Many people have silently carried the shackles of that the devil gave them, they have carried those shackles of the devil's defeat on their life and they have lived and they have died over these 2,000 years. But my friends, there's another word. There's a better word. There's a prophetic word that we are given here through Joel that every man and woman who has tasted and been filled with the Holy Spirit has been called to proclaim. And what is this word? What is this word of prophecy not something we've come up with but a prophecy that God gave Joel uh, that Peter then uh, translated into his age that now this prophetic word we are to give people in our age and what is this word we have to give this word we have to give is the same word that Peter gives and this word is that while billions around us are dying enslaved to sin there is hope Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty, and there is salvation from fear and the shackles of our enemy. And if you know this living hope, say amen. And if you don't know it, if you don't know it, my friends, the Holy Spirit is here as well. The Holy Spirit has drawn you. It has brought you. And it is speaking to you through the Word of God right now. And what is this Holy Spirit telling you if you don't know this hope and this liberty and this peace? He's speaking a still, quiet word to you in the midst of your turmoil of your life. There's a still word that's being spoken to you by the Holy Spirit. And that word that the Holy Spirit is giving you today is you don't know that hope yet, but you can have it. You can have it. And that word that the Holy Spirit is saying to you is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You don't need More human knowledge. You don't need more education to get it. You don't need to live in your ignorance to get it either. You don't need more money. You don't need more things. You don't need need more enlightenment. What you need right now to have the hope that God has, the Holy Spirit says today, there's one thing you need, and it is Jesus. Jesus. Some of you have so much today. And there's so many good things that you have. But there's a darkness on your life, and it's the darkness of sin. And the Holy Spirit's got a word today. And the word that he has through Joel, through Peter, and now through the preacher this morning, the word that he has is Jesus, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to enable his church to point people to Jesus, just as Jesus had pointed people to himself. So while billions have lived and died in slavery to sin, Many have also found restoration and they have found the freedom at the cross. There have been many whose lives have been destroyed by the locusts that have come in and eaten away and, and eaten away who they are and, and everything about them. Oh, there are spiritual locusts that get in our life and they eat and they gnaw and then their brothers and their sisters and their cousins or whatever you call locusts, I don't know how that works, but they all show up. And it's not just one locust eating at you anymore. They've devoured the land of your being, and they have destroyed you. And maybe today you say, there's no hope. This sin has destroyed me, and there's nothing else can be done because locusts eat away everything. You know that? Locusts, they'll fly in, and they eat, and they eat, and they destroy all the crops, and there's no crops left. And you say, there's no crops left in my life. It's all been eaten away. There's nothing else for me to give. This is the great thing about our God. Our God can come in where men are dead and he can raise them from the dead. He raised Jesus from from the dead as a sign. Many things bound up in that sign, but one thing bound up in it is is so you would know that the living God that we sang about, our Lord God that we sang about, is in the business of taking dead things and making them live things. And so if the locust has ate you alive today, you're in the right place. You're in the only place where you can get right. You are in a place where one word is being spoken and that one word is Jesus and Jesus has the power to make your dead life live again. And so we're going to see over the next few weeks as Peter gets into this sermon that he's going to preach and you can just feel it. You, again, you can, I, when I read this, I can, feel, I, I, I can feel just the boldness of this. Pre- Peter, Peter had already been bold. But now there's something different about Peter's boldness. Now he's not just bold in his strength, but he's got a boldness of the Holy Spirit. And you can feel again the adrenaline and just the movement as he stands to look at this crowd. And Peter has one word for them. And that word is the great and terrible, the day of the Lord is coming. There's hope for all who've received the Spirit of the Lord. Because if you've got the Spirit, then you've got the Master who sent the Spirit. You've got Jesus need Jesus today do you need him church only has one message only one mission but it's the most important message the most important mission and although it's just one word it's one word that changes everything changes your family your marriage changes how you view other people changes how you view other races changes how you view this world. When you have Jesus, it's just one word, but it literally is the word that changes everything because he is the king of the kingdom that is here. And the day of the Lord is approaching where there's not going to be a division anymore between his kingdom and other kingdoms. There is a day coming where there will only be one kingdom when it is all said and done, and it will be the kingdom of Jesus. So what about you? What about you? Do you have that Holy Spirit in your life? Do you have that protection where God's Spirit has fallen upon upon you because you've trusted? How do I get this Spirit? Say, how how do I get it? He says right there, just call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And when you are saved, you are sealed with that protective Spirit of God. I, I know today, I don't have to wonder, I don't have to guess. I know today that there are many, many people in this room that look really good on the outside, but there's a locust eating away at you. And some of you, it started as one locust eating away, but the truth is today, there's four or five things in your life that are just eating away, eating away at you, eating away at your spirit and your soul. It's eating away. Some of you today, you've just been swarmed. You've just been swarmed. Can I tell you today, I I have nothing of myself to give you. But I have a word for you that's greater than anything I could personally give you. And that word is Jesus. And he can come today and he can speak life into your situation. Now Jesus will point your sin out that's got to change. He's going to destroy those locusts and get rid of them. He's going to point out what's going to have to die so that you can rise and live in Him, the freedom of who He is. And some of you Dave, have gotten comfortable with the locusts. You don't really like it, but you've gotten used to them being around. The Lord Jesus says today, I, I've got to stamp that out. I've got to destroy the locusts. But as I destroy that locust, I'm also going to do a restoration. I'm going to change you in ways that you could never imagine. Holy Spirit's come. We've entered into the last age. But it is a great age. Because in this age, the Holy Spirit and salvation is available to all who call upon the name of the Lord. Will you? That's where Peter's headed. We're going to see this. Where he's headed is telling these folks, it's here. This Spirit's available. This salvation is available. But what about you? And we're going to see that some are going to accept this message that Peter is preaching and some are going to reject. The question today is what about you? If you need salvation, why don't you come? Why don't you come and call upon the name of the Lord? We'll pray with you. Why don't you confess that sin and call upon Jesus today? If you've forgotten that you're living in the last age when the Holy Spirit is upon God's people and you've been living under your own strength, say, I'm saved, but... The truth is, I've not been relying on the Spirit's power. I've not been listening to God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me through it. I've been relying on my own wisdom, my own way to get things. Won't you come today and ask the Lord to help you, to strengthen you? Oh, Peter says, they're not drunk. They're not filled with alcohol at 9 o'clock in the morning. They're filled with something that's far better than anything this world could ever give. What about you? Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to give an invitation. and If God's word is spoken to you, if His Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now. If you know you need to let go of those locusts and allow the Lord to destroy those things of sin. You need a new life in Jesus. Oh, He offers it to you. You need a new hope for yourself. A new hope for your family. A new hope. For your relationships at work, new physical hope. Lord God says, Come, come, and I'll I'll restore you and I'll make you whole again. We've preached the word and we've proclaimed the word. Now the question is, what are you going to do with the word of God that has been given? Dear Lord, I ask right now that your spirit, Lord, would continue to be in this place. Lord, may folks not be afraid or Bound by fear, that's from the devil. Lord, if they need to come, Lord, I pray they would come now and experience the freedom that you offer. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.